Med Stories, Episode 4. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I think we always have expectations. You know, we have a little map in our minds that says, okay, here's the marriage dot, now here's the baby dot, you know, straight line from one to the other. God seems to reroute and detour and take us in different directions that we didn't really expect. And so I think part of dealing with that is always saying, okay, what I imagined isn't what's happening, but God can still bring something good out of this. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. Thank you so much for joining me again today for another episode, episode four. And before we get into who our guest is and what we're going to be talking about, I just wanted to say a big thanks to all of you who have sent your notes of encouragement and support, who have downloaded an episode or found me on iTunes or have shared with a friend this podcast. It just means so much to me. And I, it's just been an incredible launch week and I've been working so hard on this podcast and to have your support and enthusiasm is just such a beautiful thing. And speaking of that, I just wanted to make you aware if there is any possible way, if you've listened to the podcast and you've been inspired and encouraged and you um, desire to share that or support it in any way, what would really help is I've been made aware of this situation with iTunes and apparently how they share podcasts and make them more viewable for others is the number of downloads kind of in a concentrated period of time and also any ratings or reviews that are given for any new podcast. And so if you've listened or you've enjoyed these podcasts, if you would take a moment to head on over to iTunes and you can find me over there at JackieWatkins.com forward slash iTunes. And there on the page, if you would click on the button that says ratings and reviews and just click on a star level, maybe leave one word or a little phrase. It doesn't even have to be a full sentence, just anything that you would be willing to offer. And that will help bring awareness to the podcast and tell iTunes that we want to show it to more people so that more people can be encouraged by these mud stories. So again, thank you so much for joining me, whatever you're doing today, um, walking, exercising, reading, driving, whatever it is. I'm so, so glad to have you join me today. So I can't be more excited to share with you my guest today, She is a friend, a mentor, and my God-sized dream cheerleader. And if you don't already know and love Holly Girth, I guarantee you, you will after hearing her today. Everything Holly writes and speaks is so encouraging and inspiring and uplifting. And her blog over at hollygirth.com is often known to be the coffee that we need for our hearts. So a little bit about Holly. She is the co-founder of the beautiful online community, Encourage.me, and she's the best-selling author of books like You Are Already Amazing, You're Made for a God-Sized Dream, and You're Going to Be Okay. 
And most importantly, she's a follower of Jesus, the wife of Mark, and a friend to us all. In this episode, we discuss how we have preset expectations sometimes that are changed as God reroutes us from our own agenda and takes us on some divine detours. We discuss how to hold on to hope when we continue to be disappointed by situations and circumstances in life, how to continue to trust God even when he takes things that are precious from us, and how sometimes those situations bring a loss of control that really in the end can take our faith to a new place if we let it. So Holly shares her journey through infertility and learning to thrive through her ongoing grief, and she also shares in the end how God has redeemed her situation in a surprising way after all of these years. So without further delay, here's my conversation with Holly. Enjoy. Hey, Miss Holly, welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. I am so super excited to have you here with me today. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Jackie. I'm so glad to be here. Yay. Okay, so before we dive into this mud story of yours, I just wanted to share with everyone just a little bit of the story of how we met and really how meaningful your friendship has become to me as I've navigated this online world. Mm-hmm. I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I met you for the first time at what was then called the Relevant Conference. Yes. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it was the second year that they'd had it. I'd only been blogging for three months. And I remember, I'm so crazy, you're going to laugh at me. I packed your devotional rain on me in my suitcase to travel from California to Pennsylvania because I wanted, I knew you were going to be there and I wanted you to sign my book. And so I remember standing at the session, there was a session that had ended and I think you were waiting around for Anne. Uh, Voskamp, you were going to be uh-huh. escorting her to an interview or something, keeping everybody on schedule. And anyway, I, I was so nervous to go up to you, but I went ahead and did it. And you were so sweet. You signed <laughs> my book. <laughs> yeah, it, it was so fun. Um, but it was really not until the She Speaks conference the next summer. Yes. That um, I got to connect with you. And I I have to thank you for that talk that you gave about God-sized dreams because it was it was in the middle of that session. And I was not prepared for that session, but I tell you, God met me in an amazing way there because you challenged us to dream our God-sized dream and to actually take some action and talk to the person next to us and say out loud, what our God-sized dream was. And I was terrified. <laughs> I was yes, that ter- was a scary thing. <laughs> do you remember challenging everybody yes, to do I that? Do. <laughs> so it had been in my heart to share my, my story online for over a decade, but I was nervous and worried about that. And I remember, okay, God, she told me to tell a complete stranger what my God-sized dream is. Mm-hmm. So I ever there was all this chatter in the room. Everybody's talking. And it was that awkward moment where you turn to your neighbor and you go, Okay, we're supposed to we're supposed to say something. So I shared with her my dream of writing my story out online and a few of my fears. And it was when the session ended, you had mentioned that you offered coaching. Mm-hmm. And I remember wanting to go up to you, but I was too nervous. And my friend Denise Thompson was with me, and she's like, "Well, I know Holly, and I want to go talk to her." And I'm like, "Really?" Because inside, I want to talk to you too. Anyway, <laughs> long story short, I got to meet you face to face and connect with you, which led to um, you helping me and coaching me along the way. And I found some bravery to share my story online. And here we are, several years later, and to God's glory, you know, it's met someone in their you know, hard spot. And it's 
been God that's just brought glory through that. And I'm so thankful. So you really do mother so many of us with your encouraging words. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. I remember that really well talking to you at She Speaks and just the way you light up a room and you light up your space online too. So I'm so glad we've gotten to connect out in the cyber world and also face to face too. Yeah, such a gift. Well, I know for the longest time, mothering us with your words really has been the only motherhood you've known. And um, you and Mark have not really had children of your own. So take us back to the beginning when your God-sized dream of being a mom began and tell us a little bit about how that journey unfolded. Well, after Mark and I got married, like most couples, we thought, you know, having a baby is going to be easy. We know how that happens. (laughs) And um, so... We began the process of starting a family and soon realized that it was not going to be easy for us and that I actually have some health conditions that were going to end up interfering with that process in our lives. And so we went through, it's been almost 10 years now since that journey started for us, but we went through multiple years of just trying different things to be able to get pregnant and just really grieving and saying, God, this is a good thing we're asking for. You know, we're not asking to go off to Vegas and win a million dollars. We're asking for a baby. So, you know, what's going on? And just really trying to find his will in the middle of what we thought was his plan for us. And so many times we do have our own idea of what God's plan would be, don't you think? Yes, we do. I think we always have expectations. You know, we have a little map in our minds that says, okay, here's the marriage dot. Now here's the baby dot, you know, straight line from one to the other. And then God seems to reroute and detour and take us in different directions that we didn't really expect. And so I think part of dealing with that is always saying, okay, what I imagined isn't what's happening, but God can still bring something good out of this. He can. He really can. But I would imagine there were years in there where it wasn't as obvious to you that God could actually bring something good out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, tell, tell us about that. What was that like to, you know, I know for me, I've had, uh, you know, I have five children, but I had three miscarriages in between some of those and I'm a labor and delivery nurse and I take care of a lot of women who have struggled for so long, so long, just longing to have a baby. And um, sometimes I get to be present with them when they finally come to the end of that journey and they're actually delivering a baby. And sometimes I'm with them at another loss where we say goodbye Mm -hmm. to a baby that they lose. And so, you know, it's hard to see the goodness of God in those really muddy places where our hearts just ache to the point of where they almost feel, I imagine, broken, like literally, physically ache. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Tell me what that was like um, for you personally as a woman. Well, I think one of the hardest parts is just holding on to hope when month after month you get disappointed. You know, at some point it just seems easier just to give up completely Mm -hmm. or harden your heart or shut down. And we did get pregnant about a year and a half into our journey and we lost the baby at about six weeks. And I just remember, you know, seeing Mm -hmm. that first spit of blood and knowing something was wrong. And I, um, couldn't get to the clinic because it was already in the evening and they said, just wait and come in the morning. And I knew I was losing the baby and just spent that night 
just crying out to God and saying, you know, this is so painful and this is the child that we've waited and prayed for and what's happening. And so I went into the doctor's office the next morning, just kind of in a daze and they checked and said, yes, your baby's already gone. And that was a really hard day. And just, you know, asking God, what's going on here? And how do I continue to trust you when you've taken something really precious from me? And how do I continue to hope when something I really wanted is gone? And so I think grief is the way he's given us to process life. And it's okay to cry. I cried a ton during that season. And it's okay to be mad. You know, I had some really honest conversations with him and said, I do not like what you're doing at all. You know, and I had some days when I really felt despair. And I think all of that is just part of being human. That yes, deep down we know those truths and that's what gets us through. But we're also allowed to just feel what's happening to us. And God understands that because he's the one who created all of that. And don't you think that it's in those moments where we're disappointed and profoundly just grieving what we wish he would give that we, in a sense, meet the end of our own selves and realize it's really got to be him that mm-hmm. that gives what he's going to give. Yes. I think one of the hardest parts of loss is the feeling of just being completely out of control. I was in my mid-20s at this point, and up to then, my life had gone fairly the way I hoped it would. And that can kind of give you a sense of I'm in control in some way. <laughs> I can make things happen in my life. And so I think one of the most disorienting things about that kind of loss and grief is just realizing I'm not in control. And in a lot of ways, the world's not so safe. And really just coming to terms with that. And I think in the moment, it's really, really difficult, but it can also take our faith to a new place. Yeah, it can. And really, if we let it, because don't you think some people, some people might be tempted to be angry with God. Yeah. In those I, ways that, that you know, he's not coming through how we think he should. Mm-hmm. Speak to that. Well, I think that if we go through loss, we are always angry with God. I think that's different than being angry toward God. I think God's totally fine with us coming to him and being mm-hmm. angry and saying, I hate this. You know, I hate what's happening in my life. I think that's really different than saying, God, you're not good. I don't believe you're good anymore. And so I think we have a lot of freedom to just feel our anger in his presence and know that he's okay with that. And that's, I think, you know, scripture talks about being angry and do not sin, but it doesn't say don't be angry. And I think where it crosses over into sin is when we start accusing God of not being good, but we can be angry about our circumstances all we want, you know, and tell him that we just don't like it and we wish things were different. And I think he he is an intimate God who understands. He understands that. And Mm -hmm. yet, I think if we could grasp the idea that he really wants to use our trials and our struggles to conform us to becoming more like him Mm -hmm. in that sense, in your experience, sort of living with constant grieving how how did that give you a compassion or an empathy towards others who may be experiencing situations where things weren't going as they had planned or mm-hmm. situations weren't working out 
as they thought that they should. I think you do just find in those times that you're not alone and you're not the only one. And I've always been someone who felt like I had to keep it all together, you know, and smile even when I was hurting, all those things. And so I got to a point in the process where that just wasn't possible. Like it was not going to happen. And so I was just waiting for everyone to be really disappointed in me Hmm. and including God. And so I started telling people like, I'm not okay. Like I'm hurting. I feel broken. I'm angry. And to my shock and surprise, what I got in return was love and grace And that was a huge turning point for me to know that I could be broken and still be loved and still be used by God, even in the middle of the mess and mud. Even in the middle of the mess and mud. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So you made a decision to go ahead and speak of your pain to others. How did you decide? Because I think there's, there's many of us live in our pain alone. We, we either, like you said, think we're going to be rejected or think that others will think less of us or in a sense, maybe we think we'll be disappointing to God or that we are disappointing to God. And so we remain alone in our pain, especially this kind of pain. I mean, it seems to strike at the heart of our womanhood. You know, having a baby is such a It's something only women do, and it can really be deeply painful. How did you come to the place where you were willing to be transparent and open about that and vulnerable? What would you say to a woman who is hiding in her pain today, who hasn't told a soul what's going on and is just aching all the more because of that? I would say just to tell one person that you really trust. And for me, it wasn't sharing it all at once. You know, I told my husband how I was feeling on certain days. And I told a counselor. And then I told my dearest friends. And then I shared with our community group. And then over time, I felt like God said, it's time to share this with a a bigger group of people. And so I think sometimes that we, we feel like, okay, I just have to go tell the whole world right now. But I think it's actually more healing to just tell one person at a time and then tell another person and just receive grace and love along the way. And so if it feels terrifying to tell anyone at all, I would say start with a counselor. I love counseling. I just went back for another round and it's awesome. It's like a spa day for your soul. (laughs) So if you're thinking, I cannot tell anyone in my life this, then I really love counseling And that's totally confidential. And so I would say just tell one person and go from there. And how would you suggest if someone just has no idea how to find a counselor, what do you recommend they do? There's a site called ecounseling.com. And you can go on there and enter your zip code to find a counselor in your area. So I send people there a lot. And it was founded by the American Association of Christian Counselors. And so they've kind of picked out people that they feel like would be a good fit. So that's a place that you can start. That's wonderful. I know when I had several miscarriages, I, when I was brave enough to share that with someone else, it was amazing to me how many other people were experiencing or had experienced that same thing. But it wasn't something that was outwardly spoken about. And I think that there's comfort there can be comfort did it was it your experience that there's comfort also in that commonness of knowing you aren't the only one 
Yes, absolutely. I think that can really help too. I was helped a lot by a group called MEND, Mommies Enduring Neonatal Death. And there's other similar support groups out there. And so maybe someone's listening and for them, it's not infertility. It's something completely different. But whatever your struggle is, I would just encourage you to look around. We live in an amazing world where there's tons of support groups and to just find people in real life or online or both that can just say, me too, because I think those are two of the most powerful words that we can hear is just knowing I'm not the only one who's gone through this. Yeah, that is powerful. I want you to talk to me a little bit about you and Mark. You know, as women, we don't go through this infertility struggle alone. There is a guy alongside <laughs> us <laughs> facing his own issues and his own grieving, and it does affect the dynamic of the marriage. How was that for you and Mark, and what did you discover along the way? Well, Mark and I, thankfully, were very like-minded throughout the process. I know that's not the experience for everyone. I've talked to a lot of women who have said, my husband and I are in completely different places, but that just happened to be our story, and it felt like it drew us closer together which sounds strange to you. But when we were going through it, I was getting my master's degree in counseling and I had to do a big, long paper. So I picked infertility. And the research actually shows that couples who go through infertility usually come out stronger on the other side. And that was just so encouraging to me because in the day-to-day, I did worry a lot. Like, how is this going to affect us? And what if we can't ever have kids? And is Mark going to resent me for that? Because it was definitely me that was causing the problem. And, you know, all of those things. So I think just knowing, okay, sometimes what's hardest and what makes us feel more distant in the day-to-day can strengthen our relationships in the long run if we just remember we're on the same team. We're fighting the same battle. Because when we're tired and frustrated and full of grief, our tendency can be to turn on each other. Yes. The room when you're feeling that way. And so I think just remembering, okay, we're fighting this battle together. We're not fighting against each other. And so I'm really grateful. Mark is so patient (laughs) with me when I'm so emotional. And so that was a gift. And I do feel like looking back, we would both say this is something we never would have chosen, but it's something that has made our marriage stronger. Well, and it sounds like you continued along the way to communicate with one another, Mm -hmm. not only about the details of maybe the physical process of the infertility, but also your emotional state, what you were feeling, what you were thinking, and just, it sounds like you were leaning toward one another and processing it instead of isolating yourself, which is so key. I think that's really important. And we actually started during that time period having Saturday morning breakfast dates where every Saturday we would just go out and talk about whatever because Mark is super practical. And like I said before, I'm really emotional. And a lot of times it was like we were speaking two different languages. And so in a way that gave us time to practice, you know, just, okay, I'm going to try to understand this person (laughs) And one day, I don't remember when it was, but one of us said, hey, we're talking during the week, like we talk on Saturday mornings. And I think that communicating is a skill in a lot of ways. It sounds kind of cheesy to describe it that way, but I think it is. And sometimes we just need practice. At least Mark and I did. We needed a whole lot of practice. (laughs) But thankfully, it's like riding a bike. You know, once you do practice enough, then it works. And so I think that's something, just having that set apart time 
just to process or grieve or say, I'm frustrated about this or plan. What do you think we should do next? How should we be praying about this? Really helped keep our hearts together when we were going through that hard time. Well, the challenge of learning to thrive in ongoing grief was really a real struggle that it seems like you both met and embraced and worked through together. And I think it doesn't have, I'm excited to hear that statistic that, that most marriages thrive after infertility. I I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've had a recent development of God working in this situation. Tell me about what's been happening in the, in the last year. Yes. Well, there's a kind of a middle part where I felt like God just really brought me to peace with not having physical kids over and over. People kind of prayed into my life and said, you're a mother through your words. He really showed me that Eve is called the mother of all living. And so I believe every woman brings life into the world in some way, whether you're single or a grandma whose kids are out of the house or someone going through infertility. God still wants to bring life through you. And so I'd come to this place of peace and say it's not like the Sunday school peace. Like I have a piece about it. I say it's the peace that comes after war. (laughs) This really hard fought for peace that I will have the scars of the rest of my life. But I did get to a place where I felt like, okay, I'm, you know, God's using me as a mama to give birth to books and I get to love on women all over the world. And that place in me has healed and feels full. And then last fall, he blew my mind because uh, several years ago, I had seen a 2020 special on foster kids who age out of the system. And it really touched my heart. And I started running around telling everybody, well, if I adopt, it's going to be a 20 year old. (laughs) And they were like, okay, (laughs) that's an interesting (laughs) thing to say. And eventually one of my friends said, well, do you know about Saving Grace? And I said, no. And it turned out there was a brand new home for foster girls who aged out of the system being built in our town right then. And so I got the contact information of the founder from my friend. And the founder's name is Becky Schaefer. And I sent her an email that said something really random like, hey, I'm Holly. I think I'm going to adopt a 20-year-old. Can I come over? (laughs) And so Becky graciously said, yes, you can come. And uh, Saving Grace is amazing. It's in an old convent. And so it's this little square with rooms around and they're in the process of renovating it. And so we sat on coolers with construction going on all around (laughs) us and had this conversation about her dream for this home and my dream of being a mama in unconventional ways and that was really the start of a, a new chapter in my life. Holly, that sounds so exciting. I can just picture it. And I love <laughs> the, I love the name that it is, Saving Grace. Mm-hmm. Because it, grace being a gift that, that's undeserved and one that saves some thing, redeems some part. And sounds beautiful. So, so what ended up happening as you became more affiliated with Saving Grace and... Did you get to go and volunteer there or get involved or how did that happen? Well, soon after that, my world got super busy. I ended up transitioning out of my job and starting to write books and travel and speak and do all of that. So I kept trying to get up to Saving Grace on a regular basis and just couldn't figure out how to make that happen. And so last fall, Becky 
got in touch with me and said, we're having a banquet to celebrate the accomplishments of the girls. Do you want to come? And so it was the week of my birthday. And I said, yes, I'd love to be there. And I just felt like God had put it on my heart that my word for this year was supposed to be love. And so I went that night and one of the girls there was named Lavelle. And she was one that my heart was really drawn to out of all of them. And they each got a copy of my God-sized dreams devotional. And so a few days later, I get this sweet little text from Lavelle saying, I'm reading your book and it's really helping me. And we started this friendship back and forth, just writing and getting to know each other. And so eventually we decided we'd have lunch. And so I went up to Saving Grace. And Becky had also said, you know what? You don't have to be here on a regular basis. Just come when you can. So I would just go to the house and hang out with the girls and write or talk to them or or whatever, just to be around in their lives. And so I went up to have lunch with Lavelle. And she asked a little bit about our story and not having kids. And so I gave her the short version And so when I got up to leave, she hugged me really hard and said, well, you can just be my adopted mom. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I said, you know, later when I wrote about it, I said, I'd always thought maybe I'd adopt, but I never imagined someone would adopt me. (laughs) (laughs) She picked you. (laughs) Yes, it felt like she adopted me. And I just really fell in love with her. And so since that time, we've just continued to develop our relationship and just she's our daughter now and this summer she's away at camp being a counselor she gets one day off a week and so she comes and stays at our house and we do all the things that mamas and daughters do together and this mother's day I got to celebrate for the first time and she got me this beautiful necklace that's a heart that says mom in the middle and wrote me the sweetest note just about how she'd always prayed for a mom and God had answered that prayer with us. And so it's just been a really Aww. sweet new chapter to the story. And I can just look back and see, you know, God's hand in it for her too. And I told her because when I had that idea that maybe someday I'd adopt a 20-year-old, I thought, well, then she's probably out there and she's probably in a hard place. So I told Lavelle, I've actually prayed for you for years I didn't know your name. I didn't know where you were. I didn't know when God would bring you into my life, but I knew you were probably out there and that you were probably going through something hard. And so I prayed for you. And that was just such a gift to know that God was walking with both of us. And we didn't know it yet, but he was bringing us to this place where our paths were going to intersect and fill the desires of our hearts in ways that neither one of us expected, but we're both thrilled about. Yeah, you would have never imagined and the fact that your word this year was love and her name is Lavelle. <laughs> I mean, it just gives me the goosebumps. How good is God to mm-hmm. even down to a detail like that to it's it's like one of those God kisses. It's like, yes. I see you, daughter, and I love you. And here's <laughs> a gift. It's just beautiful. Now, Lavelle also, I understand, is a writer. Yes. 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 Tell us so. about that. Well, another neat part to the story was Becky, the founder of Saving Grace, had mentioned to me that she wanted to do a class with the girls called Soul Restoration. And I met with my friend Dewana like the week after Becky said that. And Dewana said, you know, I really want to facilitate this class Soul Restoration somewhere locally, but I don't know where. So I said, well, I think you need to talk to Becky too. And so Dewana and I met with the girls every Thursday and took them through this class. 
So Lavelle and I sat across from each other every week at that class. And one time after class, she brought me this book of poetry that she had written in high school and said, here's some poems I've written. Would you look at them? And so I took those home and I got a stack of post-it notes shaped like hearts. And I wrote her little love notes on each one of her poems, just encouraging her. And she really is a great writer. And so she had stopped writing. But after that, she said, you know, I've forgotten how much this really helps me and how much I love it. And so she took the initiative to start a blog and begin writing again. And she really is a wonderful communicator. And she also spoke at the Butterflies and Blooms Luncheon for Saving Grace this year. And she gave her testimony in front of a crowd of 1,100 women and got a standing ovation. Wow. (laughs) She rocked it. And so that is another, like you're saying, just a God kiss that, you know, he's given me this daughter that has similar love for words and encouraging women through words and is a woman who just really values all of that too. And so my mom is going through one of my books with her Sunday school class and wanted videos to go along with each chapter. And so Lavelle and I sat down last week when she was off from camp and just recorded videos together and it was so much fun so how fun what are some things that have surprised you or just encouraged you as you've begun to be a physical mom to a daughter like what what emotions has it brought out maybe something you're surprised by or something that's been extra special for you in this turn of the journey Well, I just think I always knew that being a mama would be a joy, but it's just even more so than I could have imagined, you know, and I think even has given me new perspective on how much my mama loves me. Yes. (laughs) No. Yes. Just kind of see all a whole different light too. And just also how protective I feel of her, you know, and just how much I wanted to see her become who God's created her to be. And so all of that has been really fun. I think I've just learned a lot about how God loves us through loving her. I think that's so true for all of us as moms. Well, Holly, it's been a delight to talk to you today. Your story is so inspiring, and it's been years in the making. You know, um, if we would have talked two years ago, we wouldn't have had Lavelle to speak of. You know, God was still in the process of forming the story. And I have a feeling he's not quite done even still. Um, <laughs> I agree. You know, he's just that good. And um, talk to talk to somebody who's listening to us today who maybe is still in the middle of the mud of their journey. It might not be infertility, but maybe some situation where they're having some ongoing grieving to face. Maybe they're alone. Maybe they have support. But whatever it is, what what kind of words of encouragement could you bring as we end our time together and what could they do? What resources could they use or utilize to help them along their journey? Well, I think some takeaways for me just have been what looks like a no can actually be a big yes in God's plan. All those months when I felt like I got a no to a desire of my heart, Lavelle was already out there and God was actually already saying yes And so I would just encourage someone, if you're thinking, why is God saying no to me? He's maybe just saying yes in a different way. And is that painful? Absolutely. But is it also worth it? Absolutely. And looking back, I wouldn't change where he's brought me. And so sometimes 
God's still writing our story and we can place a period where he has placed a comma. And so just asking God, is this really a period or is this just a comma? Do you want to take me in a different direction that I may have imagined? Because my husband and I could have forced a different ending to this story. You know, there are ways to to make what we wanted in the beginning to happen. But I'm so glad that I said instead, you know what? I think God has a different ending for us. And let's wait and see what that is. And so if you're going through a struggle today, again, counseling is awesome. If you're going specifically through infertility, there's a book called Hannah's Hope that was really helpful for me. And then just like we talked about before, finding women who are going through the same struggle. And, you know, if you can't find them, it might be that God wants you to start a group or something to help women. And so just being courageous and saying, you know, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going through. And is anyone else on this journey? And can we walk together? It can be really powerful. Really powerful, especially to have that support of someone, whether it's a counselor or a friend or even a family member is really key, wouldn't you say? Yes, absolutely. I would say that's my number one recommendation to everyone. Just don't go through it alone because that's when shame and anger and bitterness can get the best of us. And no matter what you're facing, you're not the only one. And God understands your hurt and your anger and your fear and frustration. And he's okay with that. He doesn't condemn you. Instead, he wants to help you. And he wants you to be in fellowship with other people. And so you can just ask, say, God, I really don't want to do this alone. Can you please bring at least one other person into my life who can walk with me? Absolutely. Well, Holly, I'll put all of these resources that you've mentioned into the show notes so that people can find all these things that can help them and assist them as they are journeying along in their process. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be with us and encourage us with your mud story and how God has met you in those deep places and how he has redeemed it and is continuing to redeem it in his time. It's just so encouraging to all of us. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Holly. Bye. Bye. Well, that concludes this episode of the Mud Stories podcast, episode four. Thank you so, so much for listening. I know there are so many things you could be doing today, and yet you chose to be here with me listening to this podcast. And wow, just thank you again so, so much. I don't want you to forget, you can find the show notes and all the links Holly mentioned in this episode over at JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode four, or you can always go to MudStories.com and that'll get you there too. So if you've enjoyed these Mud Stories, this new podcast, there are two things that I would just be so thrilled if you would do. Number one, Will you share this podcast with a friend? Who is it in your life who maybe could enjoy being encouraged by someone else's mud story? Who is it you know that needs to know that they're not alone, that they're going to make it, and that God is going to meet them in the middle of their mud? I would be so thankful if you would just send them a text or a Facebook message or some kind of an email and just let them know, help them become aware of this podcast and the availability that it is to encourage them. And you can always just tell them mudstories.com and that'll take them right there. Or if they have iTunes, of course. 
they can find me there by searching for Mud Stories. And that's the second thing. Again, if you would be so kind as to just take a few moments to head on over to iTunes and leave a rating or a review, that will boost the awareness of this podcast in iTunes and it will be able to reach more people to find and discover these Mud Stories to be encouraging and uplifting in their own lives. And finally, I would love, love, love to hear from you. So many of you have reached out to me this last week and sent me a tweet or an email or text encouragement. And wow, I have so appreciated that. And I just, it's just overwhelming to me how gracious and kind you've been. And so I'd love to hear from you. Do you have any comment or suggestion or question? Do you know someone who has a mud story that I need to talk to, that I need to interview? Do you have a mud story that I need to hear? Uh, go ahead, send send me a comment, a suggestion, a question, and you can do that in the um, comment section of the blog post, or you can always send me an email, Jackie at JackieWatkins.com, or on the sidebar of my blog, there's a new little green button that says send a voicemail. And so that would be super fun to hear your voice. So thank you again so much for your gracious receptivity of this new podcast and for cheering me on. I'm so grateful for each of you. And let's all remember that no matter what we're facing, no matter where we've been or what lies ahead for us in this week, may we all find our grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. I never in you ever feel suppressed upon my mind I pull the shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame and I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I never in you mother feels a press upon my mind. That leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you song